And in that pain, all I could think was I had returned to The Hague to settle down and to grow some roots. But every time I tried to do that in the past three years, it was like the ground was just swept away from underneath me. Hello and welcome to another episode of This Expat Life. My name is Amanda Maxime and I will be your show host for today. And as always, I'm on a mission to open up space for all facets of life abroad. The good, the bad and the ugly. But actually today I'm also opening up space for life back home as a repat. Because it's something I struggled with myself and if I'm being really honest, still struggle with till this day. But more about that later in the episode. I was actually already wondering for some time if I wanted to share more about my experience of being back home again. I lived in Brazil for three years as a diplomat and I came back home to the Netherlands in 2020 during the pandemic. And as I said, it's been quite a struggle and not only because of the pandemic, which we all experienced, but also really because of some personal challenges I got throughout these three years, which I will definitely share more about in a few moments. And the reason why I decided to go ahead with this episode is because today, as this episode is coming out, it's exactly three years that I moved back home. And also there's more a personal reason, and that is that my relationship recently ended a couple of weeks ago. And it kind of propelled me back into this feeling of going back to the start, the start of moving back to the Netherlands, which wasn't very pleasant. And so with those twos happening around the same time, the three-year anniversary, my relationship ending and all the negative emotions around it, I was kind of looking back at those three years, like what has been going on? Uh, How did I grow? What did I have to learn? Uh, What challenges did I have to overcome? And I decided to go ahead to record this episode. And I really have to say it does feel kind of vulnerable because this will be my most personal story that I shared with you on the podcast. But I also know that many people go through the same things that I went through, the moving back, the personal challenges. And when I was going through all these things, it really helped me to hear from others how they dealt with it. And not even knowing how they dealt with it, but also just knowing, okay, I'm not alone. I'm not the only one going through this and through these emotions. And having that kind of shared pain already eases the pain. So I really hope that this episode is going to help you. If you're going through something similar or you went through something similar, know that you're not alone. There are other people also dealing with it. And maybe my story will help you with some practical tips or insights as well. And looking back at the last three years, I'm just like, wow, how did this all happen in such a short period of time? There was always so much going on, such big life events, and it definitely wasn't easy. And I actually believe without these big life events that moving back home is actually the most underestimated phase of expat life. We don't consider it a phase of expat life because you're not an expat anymore, you're going back home. But I think this is why this phase is hitting the hardest. I shared more about the phases of expat life in a previous episode, but just to briefly summarize how I see the moving back home part is that it is a reverse culture shock. You think you're going home and that everything is back to normal, but actually when you come back home, you realize that you've grown so much more and you've changed. So the culture doesn't really fit you anymore. But because we don't really take care of that phase, it really hits us the hardest. And that definitely was the case for me. 
And looking back at the last few years, I also see that I barely had time for a transition phase. So I definitely took my time in Brazil to say goodbye of that country. I knew I was leaving in advance. So I did really said goodbye to my house, to the people that I met, to the country as a whole. But you still need some transition time in the host country and also back in your own country again. And that last part I never really had because so much happened all at once. But before I start, just a little recap. I was in Brazil because I was working there as a diplomat. I lived there for three years and had the time of my life, even though I already knew back then that my diplomacy career wasn't meant for me in the long term. So I quit my job. If you're interested in hear hearing more about my time in Brazil and the experiences that I had there, I have a whole episode around it, which is number six. And I was living in Brasilia, which is the capital of Brazil in the middle of the country and had a beautiful house, a beautiful garden, really, really enjoyed myself. And by the time I left, we had about six months of the pandemic. But in Brasilia, up till that time, it was actually pretty okay. I know there were other areas in the country that were really hit hard by the pandemic in the Amazon, in Rio, in Sao Paulo. I knew many Brazilians who lost a family member, but actually in Brasilia, where I lived, it was pretty okay up until that point. It got a lot worse there after I had left, but thankfully for me, it was still okay. So I was moving in the pandemic and it definitely impacted my living situation, my mental health, my work, but it wasn't as bad as in the other areas that I just mentioned. And then going back home in the Netherlands, it was also still okay at that time. Things were still open more than in Brasilia or opening up again, I'm not quite sure. So it wasn't all too bad. And I moved back home in the middle of August 2020. I had just bought a new house um, because I went to the Netherlands a few months prior to my departure to look for a house and buy one. But I was staying with a friend for a week and a half, two weeks uh, while my house was getting ready. I was painting everything. And so I moved in uh, late August. My container arrived. I put most of my stuff away. And I was also just starting a new posting at the Ministry of Foreign Affairs. It was a beautiful summer, long, hot days. I was really happy being back home again. I miss Brazil. I miss my identity of someone who is living in Brazil. But I was also really excited about this new chapter of my life. But then something happened that really, really shook my world. My dad got ill all of a sudden and he was taken to the hospital and he needed a pretty difficult operation. He was in the hospital for four days and after the operation I was called by the doctor and he said that the operation was successful and that they just needed him to wake up to check a few things but that overall it was okay. So I was relieved, you know, my dad was okay. This was my biggest concern at the time, obviously. But then a few hours later, I still hadn't heard from the hospital. So I decided to give them a call just to see if my dad had already woken up. And then the doctor, which was another doctor, explained to me in like the most weird phrases. He actually never said it in those words, but my dad had died all of a sudden against all expectations. The operation was successful, but all of a sudden his organs stopped working. And my dad had died. And I remember sitting right here at this table. If you are watching this episode on YouTube, you can see it. 
hearing the news and just feeling the ground beneath my feet crumbling away. It is such big news that you just can't understand. Like you are kind of hearing it, but you cannot believe it. It's too big to take it in at once. And it really shook my whole world. And in the days after that, me and my sister were busy taking care of the funeral, taking care of all the paperwork. Just there's so much that happens when you have to deal with the death of a parent. And my parents were divorced, so it was all down to me and my sister. And if I think back of that period, it still makes me emotional. But the feeling that stands out the most, besides the grief, obviously, but was that I didn't feel at home. I didn't have any solid ground beneath my feet. I had just moved into a house that wasn't my home. Actually, I still didn't have curtains. There were no lamps. There was so much missing still in that house. I had just started a new job, so I had to tell my new colleagues that I couldn't come to work. I had only started like five days at that job. I had my really good friends here and my family, obviously, but my most recent friends were all in Brazil. Moving back home or to another country and starting a new job and having a new house is already so much change at once. But when something big, like one of your parents passing away happens, That is just your whole world upside down. And I really struggled to make sense of it all. To I really tried to clasp, to hold on to things, just to feel that solid ground beneath my feet again, or at least hanging somewhere, you know? It was a really difficult time for me. Where is home? It surely wasn't this place. And this is how I started here, which has kind of left a mark for the rest of those three years. But life goes on and it's always very hard for people to understand, but you kind of just continue. When someone dies, this is a huge thing that is happening to you with an enormous impact. But you can also still smile sometimes and your cats need to be fed and things happen and you need to take care of things. And so life just goes on and you kind of get back on your feet again. And in the first few weeks, you feel like a zombie, but you're just going through all the motions. But after those first few weeks, more happened. I met someone I fell crazily in love with. Um, And the way that I met him was actually pretty funny because I was selling some furniture, I think, from my dad's house. And as someone was coming to pick it up, I opened the door and I thought, wow, I was so mesmerized by him at once. And here I was in all my grief selling my dad's furniture so we could sell the house and just being so overwhelmed with everything that comes with dealing with the loss of a parent. I also fell in love. These two things can exist next to each other. And that was the start of a really intense, short but intense period of being with this man. Obviously, my emotions were running high. I was full of emotions all the time. And then falling in love with him was also a very, very intense feeling. We hit it off straight away. We were together a lot. And he also really helped me to settle into my house, to take care of stuff at my dad's house. He really offered that practical support that I really needed. But then a couple of weeks later, out of the blue, he broke up with me. And we had only been together for like eight weeks, nine weeks at that time, which is nothing if I think of it now. But because everything was so intense, these nine weeks together felt like two years. And him breaking up with me out of the blue hit me so hard. 
you can imagine that losing my father was already a big blow. But as you then kind of come back to life, you get back on your feet again. This is just another thing that hits you down to the floor. And that actually increases the grief that I had around my father as well. These emotions get all mixed. And by that time, I had also started a very intensive training to become a coach. This was a training of nine months. And the training was really like a soul digging thing. Because you cannot be a good coach if you don't know yourself very well. If you don't know yourself, you're going to bring in topics and themes that you get triggered by into the sessions with your coaches. So the vision of the institute that was organizing this training was really like the first few months, you're really going to focus on you as a person before we look at you as a coach to really see where your patterns, your triggers, your themes are. And so there was so much soul digging going on. And I remember the very first um, training day, this was three weeks after my dad had died and we had to bring something, an object that was meaningful to us. So I had brought a feather of a macaw with me and it was meaningful to me because of two reasons. One is that my dad always had two macaws. I grew up with them. So, you know, they, they really feel part of my life and they, they live up to 60 years. So uh, I was actually afraid I was going to inherit them, but um, both of them died shortly just before my dad passed away. And the second reason is that I always saw so many macaws from my home, from my balcony in Brasilia. And it was the most wonderful thing. It always excited me so much waking up to see these beautiful birds. And as it was my turn to explain something about the object that I had brought along, I just started crying and crying. And you have to know, at that time, I wasn't someone who cried a lot and definitely not in public. So I just felt so embarrassed. But the trainers were wonderful and they grounded me. And actually, it turned out that everyone after me also started crying. So I wasn't the only one. But starting this training while there was so much going on inside of me with all my emotions, but also outside of me with a new house, with a new job, with trying to start a whole new life again. And then also doing this training, it was just like so much at once. And in hindsight, I'm really glad that I did that training at that time. Um, I had actually already planned it when I was still living in Brasilia. So it's not like I chose it because my dad died and I wanted to work on it or something. But I'm really glad that I did it because it really helped me to process all the emotions I was going through in such a constructive way that is still helping me to this day. Then around that same period, that guy and I got back together again. Uh, it was very intense again, but a little bit better than before. And just before Christmas, again, out of the blue, he broke up with me. And now I know that this guy has fear of commitment. I actually struggle with fear of abandonment myself or struggled, I have to say. And just a little sideway, I read a wonderful book called Love Phobias by a Dutch author. And she really shows that people with fear of abandonment and fear of commitment really attract each other all the time. And they get caught in this sort of dance that is attracting and then pulling away again, serving neither of them. And this was clearly the case with me and that guy, but I wasn't really seeing that at that moment. So just before Christmas, he broke up with me and he left me devastated again. And by that time, the pandemic was a lot worse. There were lockdowns in the Netherlands and there was a curfew. So we weren't allowed to be on the street after 9 p.m. 
And this was really so difficult for me because when you're dealing with grief and you're going through a breakup and you're starting a whole new life again, at some point you want to go out and meet new people and distract yourself with fun things. But I couldn't. We weren't allowed to do anything. Everything was closed. There was nothing to do. And also every time that I met up with friends, it was always one-to-one because of all these rules. And one-to-one is really nice and you have a lot of deep conversations, well, (laughs) with me at least, but it doesn't really provide you with this light distraction that you simply sometimes just need when you're going through a hard time. So it was a very serious, very dramatic, very difficult, very challenging period I was going through. And this was just all in four months. I have moved back home, started a new job, lost my father, fell in love, got my heart broken, started an intensive coaching course, suffered from the pandemic. It was so much in just a couple of months. So it was really difficult for me and there was nothing I could do. I remember just crying in my bathtub for hours because I couldn't go anywhere. Which, by the way, was very healing in a sense, something I could see afterwards, which I think I will share more about in another episode. But it was a dark period of my life. And just before Christmas, I had taken a few days off to go to a cabin in the woods by myself. It is a sort of tradition that I started back in Brazil um, to really reflect on the past year and to get myself ready for the new year. Because I always have big dreams, but you really need to make an effort if you want to achieve them. I was a diplomat once and I reinvented myself now as a successful expat coach, but I didn't get there by just taking a few small steps here and there. I think these days that I spend around New Year's Eve and that I spend really with a lot of time inwards to really reflect on what I want and what is working for me and how I can get there. They really prime me to be my best self and to go after what I want to have. So just before Christmas, I was actually in high spirits. I felt, okay, a lot has happened in the past four months, but I'm dealing with it. And a new year is starting with new chances, new opportunities, and I've got a plan to achieve my dreams. So I was feeling okay. But then Christmas happened. Christmas is kind of a triggering period for me, or it was actually. Um, You know, I didn't have my father anymore. I wasn't in close contact with my mother. My sister was busy and there were all these lockdowns and curfews and restrictions going on. So I didn't have the best Christmas. And in those days after Christmas, after New Year's, I was just so depressed. I was in such a dark mood and I remember it was the 2nd of January and usually I'm always really feeling so positive with the new year. I'm at my best behavior, so excited about the new year. But that 2nd of January, all I could see in front of me was this big black hole. And I am an optimist to the bone. I always think, I really believe that the future is always going to be better. But that day in January... I just couldn't see anything beyond the next day. And that was really so hard for me to come to terms with because it wasn't who I am. I just wasn't feeling it anymore. I was actually in pure panic every time I thought of something which was like a week in advance or longer. I just couldn't see it anymore. And this was really difficult for me. But as I said before, life goes on and you just soldier on. And one of the qualities that I really have is resilience. 
And so this quality really helped me to go through these days to this really dark, really cold winter as well, where nothing was open and nothing was possible. I don't know how I did it. I went for my stupid daily walks every day, um, but I kind of got through that winter and life got a little bit better. And definitely the coaching training that I was doing and being coached every month on these topics really helped me to see, okay, these are bigger patterns and bigger issues that I need to work on. And so that was really helpful for me. But day to day, you know, it was still a struggle. I was working from home all the time and my house really felt like a prison. In Brasilia, I lived in this enormous house with a big garden. So being in the pandemic actually wasn't so difficult there. But being in this smaller apartment, it's not so small, but I started calling it my tiny house 24-7 with nowhere really to go to. It just felt like a prison and I wasn't enjoying it. We weren't allowed to go to the office, so my only daily commute besides the daily walks was to just walk, uh, I don't know, eight steps to my second room that I have here that I turned into a home office. But actually, it wasn't a home office. It was a room packed with boxes, still with things from my container, but mostly from my dad's house, which we had sold by that time. But there were a lot of items that we just couldn't throw away or sell, so... They were all in my sister's house and in my house, you know, I was just sitting in between all those boxes. And if I think back of it now, I'm like, yeah, no wonder that I felt so bad. Your environment really has such a big impact on you. And if you're listening to this and you think, I also don't feel great at my house or there's something just that's bothering me, change your environment because it will really help you to feel better. Okay, back to that job. I also wasn't enjoying my diplomacy career anymore. I knew for a long time already that I wanted to quit. Um, But I thought, okay, I'll just work like a few more months at the ministry, which of course got delayed when my dad died. So I was doing this job, which was interesting, but it didn't really excite me anymore. And I decided to hand in my resignation in the summer of 2021. And I left a couple of months later in early December. And if you're interested in hearing more about how I made the leap from diplomacy to coaching, I also have a whole episode around that as well, which is number seven. So even though, you know, spring came around the corner and I felt a little bit better, even though we were still dealing with all the lockdowns and summer eventually happened. It was a terrible summer, actually, weather-wise, but, you know, things got a little bit better. It wasn't so dark for me anymore, but I think it really took me a whole year to come back more on my feet after my dad had died and after I had moved. It really took quite some time. And when I did my New Year's tradition of going to the cabin for a couple of days by myself, I was reflecting on 2021 and all I could think was like, what a waste this year has been. And this is something that I never think because I always really make my life super interesting and exciting and I go after the things that I want. I never see time as wasted. Even if it wasn't good, it is still a lesson learned. But this time it just felt like a wasted year and I was so determined to make 2022 better. And that year also got better. The first few months were actually slow and gray, but everything changed around like... March, April for me. So in December 2021, I had officially started my business. Um, I had launched my website and I was taking coaching clients. But, 
energy wise, you know, I wasn't a hundred percent there. I mean, mentally I was with my clients, but I wasn't a hundred percent involved in my business. Something that I can see now. And the start of 2022 was actually the same for me. I, I really spent a lot of time on my business, but I also took daily naps to just deal with my tiredness all the time. And it changed when I went to Berlin with a good friend of mine. It's a friend that I know from my time in London and he had to be there for a business trip and he invited me. Why don't you just come along and have some fun? You know, like you need to get out of that house. You need to get out of the Netherlands. And I thought, yeah, he's right. And he has a successful business and being around him and hearing him taking his calls and feeling that London energy that I kind of missed. I had lived in London for two and a half years. I kind of had forgotten how that London vibe was, but it brought back this really like corporate feeling again. And I realized I'm actually not 100% dedicated to my business. I need to step up my game. And it really ignited this fire within me of being around this business friend, of being in Berlin in a different environment. So I then felt the urge to really dedicate myself to growing my business. And the spring of last year was actually pretty awesome. It was good weather all the time. It was really hot and dry. I met someone with whom I really clicked. There were no more lockdowns and life was finally going back to normality. Also in my personal life, I finally felt like myself again, the energy that I have, the excitement, the enthusiasm that I always really have inside of me, the optimism, it was all coming back and I felt so good. But then something terrible happened again. I was traveling with my friends in Barcelona. Uh, we had a wonderful weekend getaway with the four of us. And I was traveling back a day earlier because my department where I worked at the Ministry of Foreign Affairs had invited me for their annual day out. So they could still say goodbye to me in a non-COVID way. So I flew back a day earlier, but as I was taking the bus to the airport, I got a call from um, my mom's husband and he never really calls me. So I took the call and I right away asked him like, oh, is everything okay with mom? And he said, no, she died. And again, it was like my whole world stopped turning and was turned upside down. This was completely unexpected. She wasn't ill. She had apparently died within her sleep. And it was again, a blow to my life, to me. My mom and I weren't close. Um, she dealt with her own issues and she, my parents got divorced when I was, I think 11 and we stayed with my dad and my mom never really played a big role in my life. I saw her a couple times a year, but actually when I was in Brazil, I barely spoke to her on the phone either. So she wasn't a big part of my life. But hearing that your mom passed away, she's still your mother. You're still 50% her. She gave you life. And that was really hard to take in again. So I remember sitting on that bus and I started crying and there were these really, really kind people that were comforting me and helping me also at the airport. And I remember going through security and I was just, I was in shock still, you know, I was like, what, what happened? What happened? And there was a security woman who was just like, ah, querida, and she gave me this big hug. And I really remember so clearly all these kind people who helped me in those first moments after I heard the news. And thankfully, I already had my flight back, so I could return home straight away. But what I didn't know 
or what I found out shortly afterwards was that my mom had decided to donate her body to science. And so they would come to pick her up before I would land. So there was no way for me to say goodbye. And this was another thing that was just like, oh, wow. And she also didn't want to have a funeral. Actually, her circle is very small. So when my mom died and she wasn't a big part of my life already, and there wasn't any opportunity for me to say goodbye or to have a ceremony, it just felt like the weirdest thing. It was like, poof, she's gone. Like she never existed. I also didn't miss the calls that I had with her, like I had with my dad or, you know, grief often comes in waves and it comes when you're reminded of that person or the things that you were doing together and you start missing that. But because she wasn't a big part of my life, I didn't have that natural urge to grieve in a sense. It was very much from the head. Like I had to tell myself, oh, my mom died and then it would hit me. But yeah, it was just the weirdest grief ever. I will definitely record an episode about this later on because I know there are people who also deal with grief around their parents and also people who did not have a good relationship with their parents. And when their parents die, grief becomes really, really complex. So I'll definitely record more about this at some point. I took the rest of the summer off basically to deal with the grief. And actually this was when Expat Life School was born because I started doing a course about making online courses and it was the ideal thing for me to do. Still something to take my mind off my mom and keeping myself busy, but not in a really complex or challenging way. And I had my coaches, of course. So if I wasn't coaching, I was working on creating my first online course, which is actually about to start again in mid-October. So check the show notes if you want to join it. And then things slowly started to be okay again. It was a beautiful summer. I think it was the driest summer in a long time. I spent so many days on the beach. My business was really growing. I was working a lot. Um, I launched my first round of Expat Live School in October, which was a huge success. I found my place more and more with my business in my new career, but also in the Netherlands. I was still dating that guy, which was going great, although our future was also a bit uncertain. But overall, things were going pretty well. But then in November, my dearest grandma got sick. She fell, broke her hip, got operated, and she was okay again. But then all of a sudden, things started to get worse. And a few days later, she died. And she herself actually said that she was ready for it. She was 92 and she had this beautiful life. But we all loved her so much and losing her was also really difficult for me. She was the mother of my father and my only grandparent left and I always adored her. I spent a lot of time when I was younger with her either alone or with my cousins and she was always really just my sweet grandma. So even though I could place it more logically, like she was old and her time had come, like it was still this hole in my heart that was hurting again. And it was also a really weird realization that from my family tree, my family line, I was now the eldest. I had no one above me anymore. All my ancestors were gone. And this sometimes feels a bit lonely, even though I have lots of family around me still. And sometimes it also kind of feels liberating because I didn't have the best parents. They had a lot of their own issues they had to go through, which really impacted me as a child, as a grown up. And not having to deal with those things anymore also lifted some weight off me. 
And maybe this is hard for you to understand if you have a good relationship with your parents who had always been loving and caring. But if you deal with parents who have mental health issues or are just difficult persons, I think you might know what I mean. Anyway, just after my grandma died, I went on holiday to Indonesia. I had this whole itinerary planned in Java and Bali, but a couple days in Java, I realized I was exhausted. I had been working so hard throughout autumn especially, but also starting already in summer, to build my online course, to grow my business, on top of dealing with the loss of my mother and then also my grandmother. So it was, it was a lot that I was carrying around with me. And then when I was traveling, you know, this all came out, not in terms of emotions, but just exhaustion. So I remember being in Java and I had plans to go to all these volcanoes and stuff, but I was also traveling alone and it was hard to meet other solo travelers. And I just thought, you know what? All I need, all I want are beaches, cocktails and massages. I'm going to Bali straight away. And so I did. And then I had a wonderful trip afterwards. I met really nice people and I was really able to relax and give the rest that my body and my soul were craving. I came back in December and continued working and had a really nice start of this year of 2023. And we're now in August, so we have about seven and a half months done. And so far I can say that 2023 was a pretty good year. But there was one trap I kept myself finding in and that was that I was working too much. I'm just always so excited about all the ideas that come to my mind to help expats, to help globetrotters wherever they are, to really live their best life, to deal with their emotions, to help them as a coach, as uh, someone who inspires them. And I really learned the hard way that I have to stop myself and focus on one thing at a time. Because if I don't, I just work 24 seven. And basically that was what I was doing in the first months of this year, just always working. And actually around March, April, I also started to feel stuck here. I always traveled a lot and especially back in Brasilia, I traveled on average every two to three weeks, which I loved. I love being away. I love meeting new people. I love seeing new things and experiencing new things. But I had found myself back in The Hague for a couple of months without any trips. And I realized it wasn't even just like about the country. It was just really the area where I was finding myself in. It was literally two square kilometers that I would go back and forth to every day. So it was my house, my co-working space, my coaching space. And then often I hung out with either the guy I was seeing or some friends who live around pretty close to my house. So it was the same area I found myself in all the time. And it just doesn't suit who I really am. I'm adventurous and I want to have variety in where I go. So more and more, I started to feel stuck in this small town that wasn't giving me everything that I needed. It thankfully changed when I basically started to travel for two months nonstop. So I went to the Galapagos Islands with my sister for two weeks, which was amazing. I have been there already a couple of times. This was my third time, but this time now with my sister. And I was really so excited to show her my beloved Ecuador, the Galapagos Islands, and also introducing her to my really, really good friends there. So this was a wonderful trip, especially after what we've gone through in the past few years. It was really nice to spend some quality time with her on a boat, even though that also meant like typical sister fights, <laughs> but it was all worth it. 
And then I also went to France for a couple of days, to London to see really good friends and to just connect with the city I once lived in. And then I also went two weeks to the Azores Islands with my best friend, which was also an amazing trip. We were hiking every day, spending so much time in nature, and that really brought back the sense of life again back in my blood. And this is also when I realized, okay, I need to find a better balance for myself. I cannot be stuck in The Hague all the time. I need to explore and go out and about. And just before I was taking all these trips, I had actually decided that I also wanted to start coaching in Amsterdam because I had someone who reached out to me if I could also meet them in Amsterdam. And I thought, you know what, why not? I really miss being in a different city, in a bigger city. The Hague is really nice, but it's a small coastal town and it doesn't have this big city energy. Not that Amsterdam is such a big city, if you look at it from an international perspective, but for the Netherlands, it is a big city. So I found some coaches there and every two weeks I was traveling to Amsterdam and that also really boosted my inspiration and my sense of exploring. So if you find yourself stuck somewhere, it doesn't always need to be a big change or a big trip. You can also include more adventure, more variety in your environment where you're currently at at micro adventures or just force yourself to take a different routine. This also really boosts already this sense of adventure if you're craving that. But I realized, okay, I need to have a better balance. And so I need to be more conscious of where I spend my time. And for me, that really includes having trips to look forward to. I've always been international. I've always traveled. And actually, this was the first time in my life that I just find myself here at around my town all the time without traveling too much. So this is a lesson that I learned. I was also actually toying with the idea of going back to Brazil for one, two, three months just to experience the country again and also to live as a digital nomad because I designed my business around the idea that I could work from anywhere since I have mostly online clients. But I decided to postpone Brazil to sometime later. So overall, I was okay again, you know, happy with my life here, definitely happy with my business, but still feeling a little bit unsure about my future as in where I wanted to be. Because I've always lived abroad ever since I was 19, basically. I never spent anywhere longer than a couple of years at one place. And now being in the Netherlands for three years really is a long time. And I realized, okay, I don't really see myself as a person who now stays in the Netherlands for the rest of her life. But I was also in this relationship and I wanted to give that a chance. So I decided, okay, the Netherlands is going to be my base and I'm only going to have quick trips or some longer periods to work as a digital nomad. And then a couple of weeks ago, again, out of the blue, the guy I was dating broke up with me and it hit me again pretty hard, I have to say. Actually, yesterday I saw a post that when your heart gets broken, it's not like an eggshell that breaks, but it's like a wave that is slamming you and bringing you back to shore. And this is exactly how it felt like when I heard that he was breaking up with me. It felt like I was going back to the start. But the start in The Hague was never nice because I didn't have a good start here when my dad died right away and the lockdowns and all the loneliness and sadness I was going through. It instantly felt like that. It just felt like this pure panic. Oh no, now I'm going back to that place again. 
And rationally, I knew things are different now. I feel much better. I have a much stronger base here with lots of more local friends. And I've got my whole work routine here and my business doing something that I love. But emotionally, it right away brought back flashbacks of those first few months in The Hague where I just felt so, so miserable. And in that pain, all I could think was I had returned to The Hague to settle down and to grow some roots. But every time I tried to do that in the past three years, it was like the ground was just swept away from underneath me. The ground just crumbled away and I had no more solid ground beneath my feet. And that kind of got me thinking, is this really the place that I need to be? Is the universe teaching me lessons with all those big life events happening again and again and again? Should I really be here or should I just be elsewhere? Now, as I said before, this was a question that was already on my mind for longer, but now I just felt it so much in my core. And actually, I was talking to a friend, we were both watching Love is Blind Brazil, and one of the guys at some point says that his experience with the, the girl he was dating was that you are digging to find a treasure, and as you keep on digging and digging, you can't find it, but you think you are on the right path. And you've gone so deep that you think you're almost there. But actually, sometimes what you need to realize is that you're not digging for the right treasure. Your real treasure is elsewhere. And we were talking about how The Hague was maybe that for me, that I've been really trying to grow my base here, to settle down. But every time something happened, it just felt like I was going back to start. And I was thinking all of this amidst the pain, you know, so it's a lot more emotional and more intense than how I feel about it now. But it feels a bit true to me. Yes, I have so much more here going for me than three years ago, which I'm mostly really happy with. But if I'm really honest with myself, I'm not entirely happy here. And with all these big live events hitting me, it just feels like I need to get myself together every time, every time. And it's just so exhausting. And this, of course, also really colored my experience of living in The Hague. If you go through grief and breakups all the time, then of course, your experience of living somewhere isn't going to be so positive all the time. But it got me thinking again, and I realized I'm just not that kind of woman who lives in a town in her home country for the rest of their life. I'm someone who's global, who loves to travel, who loves to live in other countries, especially in Latin America. And I've done that throughout my whole adult life. I always lived somewhere for six months, a year. At some point I was living in London for two and a half years. And Brasilia was the longest uh, I ever lived in a city for with three years, because before it was always shorter. And now I'm also completing three years here and it just doesn't feel like it's really me. It makes me restless. I'm happiest when I'm traveling, when I'm discovering new places, settling down in a new area. And yes, when I moved from Brazil, I also had this craving of wanting to call one place home, of growing my roots. But now that I've really tried, <laughs> I can say, okay, this is not working out for me exactly how I want it to be. And I can try and try and try, which is what a lot of people do. They just think, okay, you know, this is what I want. I want it to be working out. Or these are the cards that I've been giving. So I just need to make the most of it. But I really like to embody this personal leadership. I am in charge of my life. I am responsible for my actions and my decisions. 
And if I'm honest with myself and I'm not 100% happy in the city that I live in or with the routine I have, then it's up to me to change it. So that's what I'm going to do. I made a decision. And also this is a good part about breakups. It sets a lot of energy into motion. All of a sudden decisions you've been thinking about or ideas you've, you've been playing around with, all of a sudden those things get decided, you bring them to life or you just take action on it. And so that's what I'm going to do too. I have decided to move to Brazil for probably six months starting next year. I'm going back to Rio. I lived in Brasilia before, but Rio has always been my favorite city. And actually when I was already a diplomat, I thought I want to be here for a month and work remotely or just work on a side hustle or something. And I've never done that because of the pandemic. And then I only had some short trips. So now I'm really happy to say I am going back to Rio. I'm finally going to cave in to that desire that I've been feeling for so long. And I'm just going to the city that is making me happiest probably in this stage of my life. I was also talking to another friend about it, about this decision. And she said something beautiful and she said, okay, maybe... The soil of The Hague, you know, is fine enough, but it isn't really rich. But the soil in Rio is the soil that makes you feel alive, that inspires you, that makes you feel happy and loved. And I realized it's really like that. I need to go back to that soil because that's what I need, what I've been craving for for so long. And it feels like a relief finally deciding that I'm going to do this. I had not done it because I wanted to give the relationship a chance, because I wanted to grow these roots. But now that the relationship is over, I'm like, nothing is stopping me anymore. And the roots, you know, I will keep The Hague as my base. It's not like I'm going to move to Brazil to stay there forever. Well, probably not. It will just be probably six months. It might even be a little bit shorter or maybe combined with another country. But it depends a little bit on the visa and some costs. But right now I'm planning to really live in Rio for six months. And yes, it also feels a bit scary because I am much older now than the last time that I was going abroad and it was much more carefree. Now I have a house with a mortgage. I have my two beautiful cats from Brazil that I cannot bring with me. And I also think naturally as you get older, you have a little bit more fear around these kind of decisions. So they also came up and I'm concerned about a few practical things like with my cats and, you know, finding the right person for my house. And also a little bit worried about what it's going to do for my business. I also have limiting beliefs that are popping up. And one of these limiting beliefs is that I need to stay here. I need to stay put to really grow these roots and to really grow my business. But if I zoom out, I can see this is just a belief of mine, a personal belief that is limiting me. It is not the truth. It is just the filter that I'm looking through to life. And it's a filter that is not going to bring me much further. And it's very easy to let yourself be limited by that filter or by those beliefs. It's often what happens. It was also the reason I think why I hadn't done it earlier. But I just need to overcome some practical obstacles and maybe some more challenging ones around my business. But I think it's going to work out. Everything is figure outable. I can always find a plan to deal with those more practical challenges. And what I really think, actually, when I start to live in Rio, things will start to flow again in my life. The past three years, it has felt sometimes often like an uphill battle, like it was always hard. I was always working so hard as well. And it was almost like I was going 
against a, a current or something. Not all the time. It also often felt very flowy. But sometimes it felt like this current I was going against. And I really think that the moment I live in Brazil again, things are going to flow. So I'm really happy to share this decision with you. And I also hope that you can take some inspiration from this. So if you feel stuck or just unhappy and maybe your days aren't bad, but there's this undertow of, you know, unease or some unhappiness, know that it's up to you to take decisions. You have the power over your life and those decisions don't need to be big. You don't have to move to another country, but you can start to play around with some things. Do the things that set your heart on fire because life will just flow afterwards. Okay, time to round up this episode because I've been talking for so long. I really always try to make short episodes, but it just somehow doesn't work. I love talking, I love telling stories, and I also love giving tips. So anyway, I hope you find this story and this episode useful. And before I leave you to it, I just want to say that if you have been thinking of getting coached by me in the Netherlands, in person, in Amsterdam or The Hague, September is the last month that I'm taking on clients because we work together for three to four months. And as I'm leaving in January, probably mid-January, um, we only have those months to work together. So if you're interested and you want to start off 2024 in the right mood with the steadiness within that you are craving for, then get on a discovery call with me and let's see what I can do for you. And also, if you like this episode, please share it with your expat friends or leave a review on the platform that you're listening to this expat life, because it really helps me to grow our global community. All right, beautiful people. That's it for today. I'll talk to you soon again. Have a lovely day wherever you are.